everybody and welcome to Love Unlocks. It's five o'clock on a Tuesday and I know that's a bit different, but that's because our special guest today comes from the United States. But uh, before I introduce him, just want to remind you if this is your first time coming onto this live broadcast, this is Love Unlocks Live Sessions where I talk to people that I know and that have an amazing story of how God's love has unlocked their lives and how they continue to, to help other people discover how God's love can unlock their lives. So I love talking about that, hearing those stories, and the, the whole point is for you to tune in, listen, and, and just have hopefully an, a moment where you can be inspired encourage, pick up some hope. Uh, and I know in these times we're in, you know, we all can do with more of that. So, and it's brought to you by our ministry called Love Key. And with Love Key, our mission is to minister wholeness to families and unity to the body of Christ through worshiping and through ministering the word of God. And uh, once we can get back together again with gatherings, we'll be doing that all over the place. I'm, I'm trusting for that. But for now, we can have these great conversations and bring these awesome stories to you guys in this way. So thank you for joining us. We want this to be interactive. I want you to tell us where you're from in the comment section, wherever you're listening on it, whether it's Facebook Live or YouTube or Periscope, just uh, you can pop a, a comment and I can see it here. And uh, if we can, we'll give you a shout out. I'll pop some of these comments onto the screen. And uh, we just want to know how you're doing. If you have any questions, you know, whatever, just pop it on there. And uh, you can also go to our website, lovekeymission.com, for more information on, on what it is that we do. But without any further ado, I would like to introduce our very special guest today. When I met him, he was a pastor of a church called Journey Church in Franklin, Tennessee. That's a, like a suburb just before Nashville. And this was back in 08, 2008. And I was... Like married for a year and visited friends there. They took us to the church and there was this amazing vibe at the place called the refinery. And it was just so incredible. There were so many creatives around and it was just such a great, I, I wish I could take that church home. You know, that's like kind of how I felt when I was there. And we've just been in touch uh, since. And, and many times I've went back to the States and been able to, to see him. Uh, recently, I met uh, again with his, his boys. He's got twin boys and we wrote together on uh, my new album that's, you know, still in the making, but we're working on it. I'm going to pop up some pictures here. This in the middle of there is Jamie George and his beautiful wife, Angie. And uh, I couldn't find pictures of him preaching. But luckily, when I was there last year, I took a snapshot. I was able to catch one photo of him preaching. Uh, but since then, since then, he has moved uh, into a different sphere, which we're going to find out more. Uh, he's an author. He's wrote some amazing books. Uh, I've read Love Well and Poets and Saints. And it is amazing. It's so powerful. And he's got a show coming up later this year. Uh, called The Human Experience, which is going to be really cool. So I want to introduce our amazing guest to you today. He is now, his title is Transformational Coach and Storyteller. So please welcome Jamie George, all the way from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, thank you, Heinz. Great hey, to be brother. with you, my friend. How are you? You know what? I'm really, really good. It uh, you know, has been disorienting as it has been for so many. Yeah. Um, you know, those first few weeks, especially, uh, we're a scramble, try and find our way. And um, I'm grateful for it. it. It You often have, in times of crisis, you have an opportunity to reinvent what you do, to innovate, to uh, take time for contemplation, to check in 
on where you are in life. Yeah. And for uh, for Angie and I, we, we we spend a lot of time going, hey, what do we value and what matters and where are we going to spend our time? And yeah, just kind of opened ourselves up and said, how do we take care of our own family? But how do we also pay attention, kind of have a sense of solidarity with those in need all over the world? So it's it's yeah. been... Yeah, there's been this kind, and of course now with all the things happening uh, in the states, with um, a recognition, an awakening sure. to what's happening, what's been happening for years regarding racism, it's been a very interesting time. But uh, for me, very connected. I felt very connected, and and I'm grateful for that. Wow, that's awesome. Do, do you have your whole family at home at, at this time? No, so uh, so I have twin boys that are twenty four years old, musicians. Uh, obviously, they get they get to the, and and as you know, their world is very interesting right now. <laughs> yeah, um, very, yeah. Uh, but my oldest son Jordan is getting married in a week. What? So um, oh, oh yeah, yeah. So we're oh yeah, we're in the throes of it, and which has been crazy because to do a wedding in the midst of a global pandemic, yeah, and a country that's rioting that's and protesting, crazy. So yeah, well, that's been a whole that's chapter unto itself wow. uh, but uh, that that's happening and then um so the boys live on their own jordan of course is moving out to move in with his his fiance and soon to be bride and then our 21 year old she has her own apartment so it's just angie and my my youngest addison and i at home together wow okay that's cool um i'm gonna give a quick shout out here we've got people from from durban in, uh, here in South Africa, we are Randfontein. We've got someone from Nigeria tuning in. We've got uh, Mariska from Mozambique. Oh, that's so cool. We've got people wow. from all over. It's all great over. to see you guys. Welcome, welcome. Someone from Johannesburg, North Riding. I used to live there for a while. Um, I, I am a little jealous just talking to you because I love your country so much. Oh, I'm awesome. like, it's just making me want to be there, you know. And I remember Wherever a couple of years ago, you were. You took me. Yeah, uh, the Stellenbosch, wherever that place was, is magical. <laughs> yeah, you visited here once, and, and I took you out to a beautiful wine farm just outside of Stellenbosch called uh, Nietlingshof, and we had a, an amazing meal, and it was just a beautiful setting. And I remember you were kind of overwhelmed that this is where we live. This is like this is the normal. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're very lucky here in the in the Cape. I'm I'm actually in a, in a town called Somerset West, but it's very close to Stellenbosch. So yeah, in that. It's beautiful. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It is beautiful. <laughs> Brother, Love your country. Oh, awesome. I remember a couple of years ago, before your last visit that I saw you, there was a, you were kind of probably maybe going to come with all sons and daughters, but then that unfortunately didn't happen. Um, so yeah. maybe you can still come and do a tour with uh, with your boys or something. That'll be great. I know. I know. I know. Once we get everything up and rolling again, I think that's a great plan. I yeah. like it. Cool. So um, I, I like to start out with some just getting to know your questions, and then we'll get into uh, a bit more of the your story with and how Jesus has unlocked your life. Uh, so I just have a few questions here that I that I think some of them I don't even know the answer to, to be honest. Uh, but I think you know I would like to know. Our listeners would like to know. Have you always lived in Nashville or in Tennessee? Are you born there? No, I actually was born in New York, not in the city. Okay. Uh, so western, the western part of the state. Um, which is most people think New York, you think New York City. New York's actually a very, very large state. So, a uh, reference point would be I grew up 20 minutes from Niagara Falls. Oh, wow. So, that's, that's yeah, quite north. Kind of a reference point. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, 
between Buffalo and Niagara Falls, and so we're we're kind of known for having a football team and yeah. a lot of snow and Niagara <laughs> Falls. Those are kind of the and and buffalo wings. If you've ever had chicken wings, that's where they're from. Uh, oh, that is the uh, buffalo. Okay, that's the main yeah, buffalo. Now you know why they're called buffalo. There okay, you go. There you go. <laughs> a little trivia for you today. Yeah. Um, so I grew up there. My wife is from Mobile, Alabama, which you can't go any farther south. So if you wow. go farther north for me, you're in Canada. If you go farther south for her, you're in the water. Wow. Like you know, you're in, you're in the Gulf. So um, we met in college in Virginia. And then we lived in South Florida near Miami, and then we lived in the middle of the United States in St. Louis, and then we've been in Nashville for about 15 years. What? Oh, yeah, I remember you yeah, telling we me you were, a, you were a youth pastor in, in St. Louis, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. right. Yeah, and in Florida, yeah. Okay, so for those who've never traveled in the United States, I, I did it for a while, for nine months, in fact, on a bus. The place is massive. It is, I mean, the places he just enormous. the places he just mentioned, like Florida to St. Louis, <laughs> a South African can't really understand that because you know for us flying from Cape Town to Joburg, that's kind of like as as bad as it gets, and that's like a two hour flight. <laughs> but this, <laughs> this these people drive and fly forever. You know, just to give an idea, to, <clears throat> yeah, to fly from New York to LA, I couldn't believe it. It was like five hours. It's that is how yeah. that's how how broad that country is. So just he's lived all over. <laughs> that's kind of the point. That's what I'm hearing. Um, you're married to the beautiful Angie that you said is from the south. You you married a southern belle. Yes. And uh, yes, I did. I would love to know, you know, for how long first are you married? And then I love the the meet cute story and the the how long before you pop the question. So we we've been married 28 years. Wow! And uh, amazing. Yeah, she was here. She'd say we earned a few of those years. Um, <laughs> we actually we we tell a little of that story in love. Well, uh, there were there were two places, two points in our marriage where we really really struggled. Mm. Uh, the first was when we actually started started our church here in Nashville. Turns out that planting a church or starting a new initiative is not easy on a family. Yeah. Um, yeah, that uh, the strain and the stress just kind of exposed a lot of the stuff that was underneath for us. Wow. And then the, we went through a second season, which we really dealt with the same st- uh, stuff again, a level deeper, which is really our codependency. You know, the definition of codependency is if you're not okay, I'm not okay. Yeah. And yeah, and it just really, really went after both of us. Our addiction showed up in different ways. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, my nature is to rescue people, be the martyr, please. And I have, I have through the years had real trouble with boundaries. Her story is she, uh, there was a, a lack of emotional connection for her childhood. So she, she her thing was, we have to stay emotionally connected all mm, the time, almost mm. like an addiction. Yeah, yeah. And so she she would keep coming, and I had trouble saying no, and we'd just get caught in this loop, and and it, it wasn't healthy for us. So so we went through two versions of that. The first one is written in love. Well, I don't know if I'm going to get around to writing the second story, but but we <laughs> that was twenty that 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 was 2016. Wow. And and truthfully, honestly, we were just talking about this the other day. It's a real blessing because we went through another transition. We we left in the ministry. I feel like we're always going to be in the ministry. I'll always be a pastor to a certain degree. Yeah. But professionally, because I wanted to spend more time with people on the ground in the dirt of their lives, and <clears throat> and you mentioned the show. The show premieres in two weeks, um, and so when we were going through this other transition, 
this one was it was harder for her for a bunch of reasons, but it was much easier for me because I think in a lot of ways I had grieved a lot back in 2016 through our last transition. So I'm giving you a little mm. bit about our marriage, but mm. that's but good for those out. Yeah. But for those out there who go, my marriage, it, this is really hard. It is really hard and it's really beautiful. Like it's both right. And we go through different seasons. Yeah. I happen to be in a season right now where it's really beautiful. Um, but we went through some hard seasons. The the we dated. Um, <laughs> it was definitely a cultural exchange for those who, you know, who've been to the states or who've watched movies <laughs> about the North and the South. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Sure. Uh, I met her family for the first time, and I was like, you know, hi, I'm Jamie, and they were like, so you're a Yankee, <laughs> and I was like, I'm. A, I'm and you just got, we have a baseball you just got team brushed, called the you know? <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, so we, uh, we, we in our history books, we have something called the Civil War, but in the South, it's called the War of Northern Aggression. Wow, um, wow. Yeah, so My 10-year-old taught me all about that. He, uh, he's, he's been watching videos about it. He, he's very interested in, okay. in history, so yeah. Yeah, well, it's fascinating right now and quite relevant to the season we're in. I live yeah. in the South now, and... And, and much of the racism that, that happened in the United States, this is where it was birthed because sure. this is where slavery was most dominant. Yeah. And, um, and so it, it has, living in the South, it, I'll tell you what, a piece of good news, because we've been living in a world with a lot of bad news. What I'm watching right now living in the South is a real sense of taking responsibility and recognizing that, there, that for, for, a, for a white man, recognition that there whether i whether i thought i was intentional or whether i wasn't the fact is i have lived with a degree of privilege that i can't deny yeah. no matter what my trauma yeah. is no matter what yeah. my struggles have been mm. and 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 this has been a season i because i've got a lot of friends who are like i don't know how i'm supposed to feel about this thing and, mm. and and i said you know what the most important thing you can do is feel yeah with those who are hurting yeah because uh, right now, the, it's, it's secondary to me what's the right thing to do. I, I think that's an important part of the conversation. Yeah. But the first thing I think we have to do is show up and feel with one another. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening right now in the States. Sounds like it's happening so in a lot of other places in the world. You know, and you guys as a country have modeled at least to a degree. We've had some conversations about this. You haven't yeah. gotten, gotten it all right. And, I, I, you know, you guys have had waves of it. Yeah. But, right, right. But there are certain things we do get to look at your country and go, hey, you did some hard work mm. on reconciliation. Yeah. And I think that's what's in front of us right now. That's amazing. Yeah, it's about bringing, you know, to, to whatever extent it is actually possible to bring some of the real things that have happened, you know, face up. And I mean, this for me is a very biblical thing, repentance and forgiveness. There's so much power. Yeah. There's so much power in that. But both... Both takes, you know, huge amounts of humility for it to, to be well able said. to happen. Yeah, but we'll, we'll get more into that a bit later. I think that's a, that's a great, okay. great thing to talk about. Uh, I still want people to get to know your family. So yes, yes, yes. You've, yes. Got, you've got four amazing children. Um, I, haven't re I don't really know your daughters that well, but I've, I've hung out with your boys. But I, I want you to, to name them all and uh, just give us the first word that pops into your mind about each child and you can maybe elaborate on why you know that'll be great yeah yeah 
Oh, that's good. That's a good question, Heinz. You're a good interviewer. Well done. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Um, <laughs> um, let's see. Okay, so my oldest is Jordan. He's the oldest by a minute. Wow. Uh, because he's a twin. So Jordan, <laughs> um, Jordan is an individualist. So if it's already been done – or if it's already been done that way, Jordan doesn't want to do it. Like he's, ah. he's, uh, for those people who studied the Enneagram, he's a four on the Enneagram. So okay. he, uh, which is a personality kind of thing, but he, um, yeah, he, uh, which it makes him a great musician and artist, right? Like, yeah. oh, it's gotta be it unique. To be it's gotta be yeah, special. Yeah, 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 yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's That's a feeler. So he walks into the room and he feels everything everybody else is feeling. Wow. So he literally he he's actually had physical problems through the years sure. because emotionally his emotional gate he has he's had to learn how to regulate. He so feels what's happening. So um, anyway, so he's he's uh, he's amazing. Uh, Tyler is um, um, I mean the first word that comes to mind is peacemaker because he's so good at seeing everybody's perspective cool and he bridges the gap um he bridges the gap quickly he's also highly competitive <laughs> uh, the boys grow, they grew up they grew up as athletes yeah. so so there is that um tyler you know tyler has an amazing singing voice he plays keyboard um and he's actually actually does some financial planning as well so cool. he's got a good analytical mind that's okay. Tyler. Ashton, uh, Ashton, when Ashton was six years old, we would walk into a shoe store and she would say, excuse me, daddy. And she would just go start organizing all the racks of shoes. She wanted to make, <laughs> like she would organize for the people. Oh, like, wow. You know, we're, actually, we're here to mess those up and buy those and try those on, yeah. like not organize them. Yeah, yeah. So she's been organizing <laughs> since she was out of the womb. That's amazing. So she's a wedding planner, an event coordinator. Okay. Like she, Great. oh yeah. Anything in our family, we're like, Ashton, can you please, when she was eight or nine, we'd be like, Ashton, we need you to remind us we're going on vacation. We yeah. have to do this. Like coordinate our vacation. <laughs> for. She remembers everything. Is she doing, is she doing the wedding now for, for your boy? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, Makes she's sense. doing some of it. She's, she's standing up in it. So she's, you know, she's got an assistant who's helping with the other part of it. So. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, at uh, at twenty one years old, it's it's crazy. So she imagine. also house sits and and dog sits for some uh, celebrities here in Nashville uh, because she's just so dang organized and trustworthy. So wow, um, so good. Yeah, and she's a she she's th she's so sensitive. She's always thinking about others. Like that's beautiful. Yeah, she's she's beautiful. Beautiful. You're and giving, you're giving Oriole children three words. I said one. But I'm gonna let oh, you. Sorry, I'm gonna sorry. let you have it, bro. I'm gonna let you They're have my it. My kids, that? right? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You have to gush. You have to gush. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You're like you can't. You open the door. <laughs> um, Addison is. Uh, she's a firecracker, man. She she's 14 years old, so she's full on in the middle school experience. Okay. Uh, here at middle school for us is. Um, it's that middle part of adolescence where you're leaving dependence and independence, and uh, she's very strong. She's a dancer. Okay. So she uh, she's highly coordinated. I don't know if you guys if, if if TikTok is super popular where you are, but it is certainly is with our kids. With, with that age group, yeah, definitely. I um. Yeah. Ha 
Are not you for doing me, TikTok though. dances? No, right. no. I, 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 th- I think I, I should do them you. with my kids. I think that's more appropriate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a good word. That's more appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, she she's um, she's gonna she's going to lead a small country probably when she gets older. She's probably. she's she's a natural born leader. Yes. There you go. Cool. That's amazing. Well done. That's that's good gushing of the children. That's great. <laughs> Um, you know, one of the things that, that I think you, you and I both used to do a lot is travel. Um, and we're looking forward to being able to do that again. When I, when I read your book, uh, Poets and Saints, it was such a great book for the, obviously the, the mission that you wrote it for. But I loved how you told the whole story of how you guys traveled to England and went to all these historical sites and really went to see, you know, who were these poets and saints. And there were some really funny travel stories. Uh, I'd love you to share one of one of the travel stories that stand out for you from that trip. Well, the first one is probably the one that stands out the most because it's with my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, so we're getting ready for the trip and we know we're going to film this thing. It's going to be a... Um, uh, like we're, we're filming a seven week workbook study and it's going to be you know, kind of a Bible study for churches. That's that sort of thing. So I say to Ash and I'm like, you know, we're going to, we're going to be on film. We, you know, I probably should lose about seven pounds. Uh, you know, you know, you, <clears throat> do you want to do like an exercise plan with me? So leading up to it for 21 days, we did this like hardcore thing and you know, 21 days and, and, and the day before we were going to leave, it was her birthday and so we're like, well, we'll celebrate with our first sugar. We'll have cake and we had yeah, cake. Yeah. Cool. And so that night we get on the plane, we're heading out, we're, we're flying, uh, you know, across the ocean to start our trip. Well, she, she hadn't, I didn't know this, but she hadn't really eaten that day at all. Mm. She had a bunch of cake and nothing to drink. <laughs> Not ideal for getting on a transatlantic flight. Yeah, yes. So about three, four hours into the flight, and I think we got in, it was it was a late flight, like we started late at night, so she's, I don't know, like midnight or two in the morning, or I don't know what it was. Yeah. I look over at her, and she's shaking. She's convulsing. Like, oh, man. And I'm like, ah! Freaking and out. I'm, I, I, t- t- come to find out, I don't think you're supposed to do this, but all I saw, you know, in the movies, I'm like, I guess if people do that, you're supposed to smack them. So I'm like, Ed, Ash, <laughs> like, come, look at me, look at me, stay with me. Run to the light, like or don't go to the light. I yeah, turn turn around. Um, <laughs> wait, good. I was so scared, and I'm like hitting the you know the dinger thing, but I hit the light instead of the dinger, and you know like I need a part of things. Oh my somebody. goodness! So the guy, the steward, finally comes down, and they and I'm like, ah, my daughter's freaking out, and so they take us and we we put her in the middle aisle, we lift her legs up, and they give her orange juice, and and uh, and. There was a doctor on the plane. Thank goodness. I think there's a doctor on every flight. I think that's, I don't know how, if it works like that's that. Handy. We that's handy. It's handy at times like that. Yeah. <laughs> so he walked up, asked her questions. He's like, yep, yeah, you're dehydrated. <clears throat> so, wow. Oh, okay. Well, we can deal with that. Yeah. So that's how we started the whole trip. Ish. That's, Which, that's one way. I will tell way. you this. This is part of it though. This is good because we only had a short window in Dublin. We had to stop over in Dublin. And um, turns out, had she not been sick getting off and going through customs and the whole thing, for whatever reason that day, the custom lines was like two, three hours long just to get out because we were just going to go spend the day in Dublin. Oh, wow. Well, because she was sick, they put her in a wheelchair. They rushed her. Went right through the whole line. 
Whoa. And went, we're like, yep, here's our passport. They're like, no problem. There's the bus. Off we go. St. Patrick's Cathedral. There we go. Well, that's a bit of a silver lining after that whole experience. Yo, no, listen. God I've, redeems all things. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right. We're going to do a quick few favorites. Uh, okay. So are you ready? Here we go. Okay. Favorite yep. sport to play? Probably football, tackle football, but not a good idea at 50 years old. <laughs> All right. Uh, favorite sport to watch? Also American Tackle football. football. Okay, so you're an American football guy. All right, there you go. What, yeah. uh, favorite hobby? Uh, at this stage in the game, probably reading. Okay. Local food, as in Nashville local. Oh. Have you have you gotten used to, to was, southern well, southern cuisine? Was, yeah, it's not good for you. Um, <laughs> although I was gonna, <laughs> lots of sweet tea say and buffalo wings, <laughs> yeah, fried yeah. stuff. I was gonna say buffalo wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah lots of yeah. fried stuff. I, I eat a salad almost every day, oh, and wow. there are a couple places they have great salads. So how about that? Well done. All right. Uh, yeah, favorite uh, country southern. to visit or that you have visited. Uh, no pressure. South Africa? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to set that up. Um, easy, easy. Do you have a favorite preacher or teacher that you like to listen to that you'll actually go, I want to listen to his sermon or podcast or something? Great question. Um, you know, I like different guys for different reasons. All right. Um, so Andy Stanley to me is uh, just uh, he's just one of those like yeah. classic communicator. He knows, knows yeah. how to pull everything into one point. Yeah. Tim Keller, I I love his. He's in New York. I love his cadence and I love so his good. thoughtfulness. He's a little bit more of an academic. Uh, Richard Rohr is a priest um, who definitely sees the world through an interesting lens, and so I'm always challenged by because I didn't I didn't grow up. I grew up Protestant, not Catholic. So okay. I like a really wide variety because I like people challenging my thoughts and i like going hmm this is how you see it from your perspective what makes what resonates what doesn't what's that's yeah. great that's so healthy yeah great and uh i don't know if this lines up with your previous answer but favorite writer you know it you being an author be yourself you know <laughs> you must have <laughs> no, it, one or two yes yes eugene peterson it might be my favorite. He's the he he passed away. Uh, I think last year. All right. Uh, but he's the one who wrote the message version of the Bible. But he he wrote a book called Christ Plays in Ten Thousand Places. Wow. And I it, I read it over about six years, and it it really became kind of my grounding for my understanding of God. There was just he. What I love about it is he 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 the mystical part of God that is beyond what we can comprehend. He captures that, but he keeps it earthy, and he goes, but it can never leave the ground. Somehow, in in the day-to-day moments of making food and being with our children and showing up to work, yeah. somehow God is in the earthiness of it all, but he's also in this mystery. Mm. And um, yeah, so probably Eugene Peterson, and again, I've been reading a lot of Richard Rohr lately, He uh, just because he challenges me. So those two guys, probably. Brilliant. What's your favorite time of the year? Some people love the cold, some don't. Some love it when it's hot. You know. Yeah. What do you prefer? I do not love it when it's hot. <laughs> so I'm, I am a northern kid. So yeah. I so in the north in the north we have these beautiful autumns. Like fall is gorgeous in the north. 
But in the South, it only la- at least in Nashville, it only lasts for about two weeks. So in the South, we have these really long springs. So spring is about three or four months here, wow. and like it, it just ended. It ended yesterday. Okay. So the humidity rolls in, yeah. and now it's going to be super hot. And yeah. Yeah. So spring in the South is my favorite. Cool. But I love to snow ski. So when I'm, you know, I love snow. I'm like I am a snow guy. Did you play ice hockey when you were in in Buffalo or uh, in New uh, you York? Know what? I play. I because I the two sports I played were um, were football uh, or soccer as we call it in the states <laughs> and basketball. Um, basketball was the same season as ice hockey, so I only uh, played street hockey in the summer. You yeah. had to choose. All righty. Yeah, uh, but we lot- you know we just grew up running around on the street doing it. So, cool. but I love it. Yeah. So, uh, last favorite one. What's your favorite song? Whoa. <laughs> okay, favorite song. Favorite current song, if that helps. Well, there's uh, a song by the George Twins that's about ah, to come out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have to shamelessly plug the family. There we go. That's, that's right, a good that's manager right, right. right there. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, I'll give you my favorite movie. That's easy. Okay. The Princess Bride. All right, interesting choice. My favorite movie. There you yeah, go. yeah. I grew up with that in the eighties, and it was, um, it was, uh, yeah. It's such a goofy kind of funny movie that, yeah. Brilliant. There and then uh, just one more question in that kind of vein: Do you have a? I mean, you've you've lived quite a bit of life. You've you've done a lot. You've been through a lot. Now with you know the the maturity and the wisdom, the sageness that you have, what would you say is your life dream, life goal that you still want to achieve? To be present to the moment. See, I knew you were going to say something sagey. That is so profound. Well done. <laughs> That's great. To be well, present in the moment. The truth is, uh, yeah, yeah. The older I, the older I, the older I live, the more I don't know. I mean, that's incredibly clear. Um, wow. But yeah, that is no question. That is my life goal. Just I'm, I'm here with you. We're in this moment. Mm. I don't want to be distracted by yeah. the regret of the past or my anxiety of the future. I just want to be right here. That's great. I love that. That inspires me. Um, all right. So I'd, I'd love to. The, the whole point of today is for people to, to, to hear your story. And I know a lot of people that, that follow me and are watching this uh, may have never heard about you before. Um, but that I, I don't care. I want them to get to know you. Uh, and one of the biggest things is that I want to communicate is how has God's love unlocked your life? And I think the, the, the first step for any of us that you know, are Jesus followers is, is how we came to know him. So I would love for you to share your story of how you got to know Christ. Yeah. So my dad was a, a school teacher. And in the early 70s, he started doing uh, theater plays with his middle school kids. And they were so successful in his little town where he was doing them. He, he thought, well, I guess maybe I should write these up. So he, he uh, contacted, he got an agent and contacted, this is in the sev- early 70s, I think contacted um, an author named Roald Dahl in England ah. and said, hey, I've taken your story, um, James and the Giant Peach, Charlie <laughs> and the Chocolate Factory, yeah. and the sequel to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory that a lot of people aren't aware of called um, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. 
Mm. I've taken them and I've, I've, I've turned them into adaptations um, for the stage. Um, would, uh, would, could I publish these with you? And um, the movie had just come out, and that, which they changed the name to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And Roald Dahl didn't like the movie. Okay. And he so liked what my father had done that he said, yes, you can publish him. Not only can you publish him, but I'll write the foreword for your books. Wow. So That's huge. Um, so Yeah. So dad started <laughs> writing then as a school teacher. And then um, uh, not till I was probably in the third grade at the time. The church that he served at said, hey, we would love, would you be willing to walk away from kind of your school teacher thing and your writing thing and come into the ministry and be a pastor? Mm. And he did. So that dramatically changed our lives. And for those, especially in those days, what that meant was you need to leave the house with the pool and you you, you, you need to stop doing everything you're doing and come suffer for Jesus on very little money. Wow. Um, and that's part, and, and, and I... I don't have any judgment. I think that was a way of thinking in those days. And yeah, so, yeah. um, you know, it was, you know, like that's, you're just supposed to go suffer and, you know, you, you shouldn't make much money in the ministry and because people will perceive you as wanting money. So he just kind of walked away from all of that and we went into the ministry mm. as a result. Um, yeah. A lot of those years were really hard then financially. My dad, had, mom and dad had, had four kids. I'm the oldest. I have three sisters. But we lived a really beautiful life. I mean, um, we we all we have our dysfunction. If my sisters were here, we could all give you our versions of what <laughs> didn't work. Um, but you know, my parents had their own struggles in marriage. My mother thought she was marrying a school teacher, not a pastor. Yeah, of that course. was hard. Did not that sign was up for really this. Really hard. Yeah. Sure. Right, didn't sign up for it. And mm. it, you know, it's it's it. The ministry thing is an unusual thing, and we can talk about that if you want to. But um, but and so growing up as a pastor's kid, that whole thing. But none of us had like the big rebellious thing. We we the, the church experience. We felt pretty loved by and large, and and I think there were probably some theological things that were not helpful along the way. But overall, the people who surrounded us loved us pretty well, and I, I would I count myself blessed as having a pretty great childhood. Yeah. hard in some ways. Most of it was a financial strain, but grateful. Mm. So when I was five years old, there was a a preacher on TV. And I said, dad, what's that man doing? And he said, well, he's telling people about Jesus. And I was like, well, why are all those people walking down the, you know, auditorium steps? And he said, well, that's just their way of saying that they want to follow Jesus. Of course, that was Billy Graham. And <laughs> wow. um, I said, um, well, I, I want to follow Jesus. I think I already do. Yeah. And, and he was, he said, well, do you want to, you want to, you want to tell Jesus about that? You want, you want to talk about that with God? I'm like, do you think that's a good idea? Like, should I? And he's like, yeah, I think that might be nice. And that's a cool conversation. So five years old. Yeah. Yeah. I climbed in his lap and, uh, so I was like, okay, uh, Jesus, I love you. There you go. That was my, con there was my conversion experience. Okay. Now it, it, yeah, in ninth grade was where the quarter dropped, and I, I, I started to put together. It was where I really started to sense the Spirit of God active in me. Okay. I sensed this trans—I had a, several—I had, like, a transcendent experience. Like, I, I feel this thing, and I think it's more than emotion, and I don't have words for it. Okay. And I had some spiritual teachers kind of around me, a youth pastor, going, yeah, that's called the Holy Spirit. 
And uh, we didn't grow up in a tribe, kind of non-denominational, so there was not a lot of conversation about the Spirit. But this guy was was aware enough to go, that's that's God's Spirit, and you're experiencing Him. And by the way, this is meant to be relational. Yeah. And my my I didn't have language for it, but my middle school years were were really hard. I felt loved in the context of the whole, but I had no friends for about three or four years. Yeah, oh, that's rough. So. Yeah, and 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 I, I was t- terrible at sports. I was, you know, we had hand-me-down clothing. Uh, you know, I had braces and glasses. And I it it yeah, I was really really lonely. And there was bullying. You know, you know, I grew up in the early '80s. I mean, but it felt like bur- you know, bullying and and all that stuff was kind of part of the deal then. Wow. I mean, I, <clears throat> maybe it is everywhere. I don't know, but um, so it just felt normative to me, but there were definitely some wounds there and, and this desire to try and prove myself. Mm. And that would be an important part of my story. Now I understand why you I, like Stranger Things so much. You told me you like Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I'm, and it's the exact same years I was in middle school. I'm wow. like, I know you. Yeah, I that's like, you. I know what this feels yeah. like. Sure. All right. <laughs> oh, it feels like I'm back in it. There's wow. No crazy. Um. So that that shaped me though because I I went I I feel so lonely and this pain hurts so much. Well, the one way to get around it is I I need to prove myself. I need to achieve. Mm. And it started. The two dominant idols of my life have been achievement and approval. So I went to a small private school at the time, and um, the the cool kids played sports. Mm. So. Even though I loved to draw and play games and read, I was like, well, if you're going to be cool, I guess you play sports. So <laughs> I start, and I was terrible. Oh my gosh, it was so bad. Seriously. But I figured I, out. That's amazing. Oh, no. It was horrible. Ah. And, and I, 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 I figured out yeah, the only way I'm going to, like, I'm, I'm, I, I did, it would give me too much credit to say I, this was super cognitive or conscious, but at some level, I figured out. At the base in which we're going, I'm not going to catch up with these people. I'm going to have to do a little work on the side. Yeah, yeah. So so I would have my dad pick me up an hour, a half hour, hour after practice, and they would turn the gym off. I never told anybody. they put turn the lights off, the whole thing. Everybody would leave, and I'd sneak back in the gym, and I'd just keep shooting. And I'd just go back. Amazing. And the same thing with soccer. And, the, uh, and eventually – um, you caught up by my junior and senior year. Yeah, I was captain of the team and MVP wow. and we won the championship for the first time in our school's history and blah blah blah. And sure. And you put yeah, in the hours. Was, That's amazing. Put in the hours, right? And I guess, and I learned this lesson about life. Like, there's a part of it that has a shadow side. Part of, like, so much of it was me just building an ego. I I wanted to be seen. I wanted to be yeah. known. I wanted yeah. to be loved. And I, interestingly enough, in the middle school years, you know, the times I felt most loved was in the quiet of my own room. I actually sensed the presence of God. Mm. But I, so I would say I've been hanging out with Jesus since I can remember. And yet I've also walked large portions of my life forgetting that it was enough to just be loved by him. Wow. And and, and maybe that's not a fair statement. I mean, maybe part of it is he's designed us to be loved in community with other people as well. So some of that's a natural compulsion. But just the times that I can see where I got lost in my own idolatry. Mm. Sure. 
So, so, so you, I mean, that takes you halfway through the story anyway. Yeah. That's my childhood. That's amazing. I, um, I really, I was, well, first of all, I, well, let me put this back on. When, when, I, when I heard you uh, preach for the first time, I was, I was surprised by the fact that you don't really preach. You, you communicate a story and, and I, I picked up on deliberate words that you, that you use. We're dialoguing, you know, uh, mm. we're, we're telling a story. And, and uh, the way that you communicated God's word, I just found so refreshing. And, and then when you brought out that book, Love Well, I thought, what a great term. It's not something I've, I've really heard before used that way. And uh, what a great, what a great book! And and then I, I kind of piggybacked on that term <laughs> uh, last year. We we had a, I mean, we've had this problem in our nation f- since you know ever uh, the whole gender-based violence issue. And but it, it it had a similar kind of thing that is happening in the states now. That like it's this sore that no one wants to talk about, and then suddenly it just explodes, and it's like it's everywhere, mm. and everyone's aware of it, and there's protests. And we had a similar thing around the whole gender-based violence thing. And first of all, I was looking at the news going, it sounds like people are thinking this hasn't been happening, and now it's happening. But if, yeah, So that was the first mm. thought. Then I, I was reminded of this, this campaign that ran when I was young, like a teenager kind of young where they, they were trying to come against this and they had the slogan said, real men don't rape. And, and that came back to my mind. And I was looking at all this stuff happening and I was thinking of that slogan and I thought, what a horribly low bar to, <clears throat> to set for men's identity. And then I just, and I remembered this title of your book and I thought, you know what, I'm, I want to start a new slogan called Real Men Love Well. Because that is actually what it's supposed to be. So the question in all of this is, how would you, how would you define love, loving well? How does that, what does that look like? And, and how can we all do better by loving well? Yeah, well, that's a, it's a big question, right? I took 200 pages to try and scratch <laughs> the surface of it. Um, Can you summarize it for us? Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do my best. Uh, uh, I, I, and let me start by saying, I, I'm learning. I, I'm I am on a journey. I'm a pilgrim, just like you, just like all of us. And back to the the teaching style for me. We all have a view from somewhere, mm. and I sometimes have some people in religious circles go, well, the Bible says, and then they start explaining to me what the Bible says. And I would say, well, when you were quoting the Bible, you were telling me what the Bible says. But as soon as you stopped quoting, it was commentary. Yeah. So good point. you're telling me your version of what the Bible says. No, well, the Bible says, and then they would interpret again. I, no, you're, in, you're interpreting through your lens, which has a cultural bias, which has a gender bias, which has a family of origin bias, which has a personality bias. Like we, if we can acknowledge that we all look through a lens from somewhere, then it forces us back into a position of humility because I, there isn't a person I, who, who, who's relatively healthy that I know who wouldn't say, 
I actually understand something about God now that's different from 10 to 20 years ago. Yeah. So something about my understanding of God has evolved. So it seems that I am meant to, as I talk about who God is and how we're meant to relate to him and one another, that I should lead from a posture of humility, not a posture of being the expert and knowing exactly what is right all the time. Hmm. Because we often have a conflict of ethics. Hmm. I think uh, um, you're not supposed to lie. And yet we go back to the, like, you know, every philosophical classroom, you know, hey, the, 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 the Nazis are at the door. They want to go, you know, they want to kill the Jewish person being hidden in the house. What's the ethic to protect the life or to tell the lie? Like the, it, it, we, when you get into these ethical dilemmas of well, sometimes we're so like, no, this is wrong all the time. It's wrong to kill. Okay, well, let's talk about. Are there times when? Well, it's wrong to, and, and it, it, what it does is it helps us walk with humility because I'm around military guys. My, my, my dad has counseled guys who had to be assassins, who, who were ordered by the government to act. Yeah. It walks through these ethical mm, dilemmas, right? So, so um, it, just, it just forces us to walk with humility, and I think that's the starting place for love. Yeah. When I enter a conversation or a relationship, is my agenda to get you to agree with me? <laughs> you go, well, but that's rhetoric. That's persuasion. It's the art of conversation. Okay, I'm okay with that. Certainly, we want to encourage people to see our point of view. I'm, I'm good with that. Mm. But if we don't seek to understand and always lead trying to be understood Wow. We're going to have a difficult time with connection. Yeah. So true. And this is what this is what I when I'm when I coach a lot of my clients who I I get a lot of people are broken in their marriage. One of the things I say is you know I say that are you listening to understand or are you just simply trying to be understood? And mo a lot of times we don't actually listen at all. We're just waiting for the other person to stop talking so we can add commentary. Mm. So we actually haven't listened to anything they've said. Yeah. So this is where I, I to loving well is to lead with humility and to lead with understanding. Go, I'm listening with my heart, with no judgment. Don't we think, those of us who are followers of Jesus, don't we think over and over again, Jesus says in John 3, 17, we love John 3, 16, 3, 17, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And often we're leading with judgment in the judgment, it just, it, it boom, it comes right out of us. And yeah. if instead we go, hey, tell me your perspective. I might not agree. I might not agree now. I might not agree when we're done, but, I, but I'll hold the space. This is, that's a great phrase. I got that from a therapist friend of mine. I'll hold the space for you. <laughs> just share. Mm. And I'm going to be present with you. And I'm going to try and take a moment to feel what you might be feeling. I don't see it that way. I don't even, I personally might not feel the same way you do, but you do. And I want to acknowledge that and validate that. Sure. Period. Like full stop. So good. If we just did that before we had our argument, our position, our explanation, defend ourselves, persuasion, all those things, some of which are really, really important because we got to show up for ourselves too. But no greater than, no greater love than this, that a man lays down his, preferences 
or his friend. That's me <laughs> changing the word a little bit. Mm. But I actually think lay down your life. What is your life? Your life is a collection of your desires, your preferences, your position, your belief system. Wow. No greater love than any man has this. But to lay down his preferences, and I think in the moment to just go, I'm here, mm. I'm present, mm. I'll, I'll hear you. I love that. That is so good. And, and if you think of uh, all the the things we're seeing in the news right now, stuff happening, that is exactly what's been missing. Uh, yeah. I, I was listening to a conversation with uh, Stephen Furtick and John Gray that they had live, and, and, and this came up. It's uh, John Gray said it so well. He said that I need you to, to, to just listen and understand my pain. Um, and and that, that, that something about that just rang true because, you know, we can easily brush off someone else's experience of a situation. Let's, you know, in marriage, you know, it's exactly what you say. I want what I want and my partner wants what she wants. And now there's a, the, the reason we're maybe disconnecting or having an argument is because we want different things. And if we can just yeah, lay down, our, absolutely. if we can just lay down our preferences, you know, we, and, and what that does is it actually gives you the, a proper perspective on the situation. That is so good. So love is humility in, in action. I, that's, that's powerful. Uh, and I, I would sorry, say yeah. this, I, for everybody, well, just one last thought on that. When, when I, anybody who's suffering, outside of like, you know, physical suffering from cancer, from a disease, but I'm talking about emotional suffering. If yeah. you've got emotional suffering, in, it's based related to some kind of relationship in your life. I would say, I, I'm not sure I can think of an exception. So I rarely use the word always. Mm. But I think I could in this instance. <laughs> I think I could say always or every, if you have any suffering right now at all. So if you're listening and you go, yeah, I got I'm, my son, my daughter, my father, my mother, my wife, my husband. Almost all of it, you can trace back to one simple thing. Resentment. Mm. And the resentment is either trapped energy this unforgiveness for that person mm. or for you wow if you want if you were like just one way to make my life better <laughs> because every client i work with i can again i have no exceptions i've had to get to there's some trapped unforgiveness somewhere you haven't forgiven yourself so you're living in shame mm. or you haven't forgiven this person so you're living in incessant judgment of them mm. and you're stuck Everybody who I deal with who's stuck, mm. eventually, we might start, start at the top layers up here, but once we get down to the core thing, we go, this is resentment, and it's a trapped energy, and at any point in time, if you want to let go of that, you can leave hell and experience heaven. The kingdom of God is within you, Jesus said. Like, yeah. it's, you have access to it now. Yeah. And the, por the portal into the kingdom is confession, speak it out, bring yeah. it into the light. Oh yeah, I've not forgiven myself. And repentance, well, I'm not gonna do that anymore. Mm. Even if it's, for, if it's for five minutes, that's fine. If you go, well, it just came back up again, five minutes later, cool, you know the portal. Do it again. Speak it out, yeah. now it's back, yep. <laughs> that's powerful. It, in, that, in that way, it's really quite simple. Yeah, and it, 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 that's, that's why humility is the key, is to be able to, to in that moment not want to you know jump on a soapbox of my rights and what I 
deserve and my happiness. But to go, you know, how, this is actually one of those moments where I really need to choose to serve, uh, choose to love well. And what does that look like? It looks like me going, I love you so much that I'm going to put down what I'm, what I want, and I want to find out what you want. That oh, that's so good. That really challenges. And the reverse, and the reverse is true too, right? Mm. So the other thing is for those if you're wired like me, my temp that comes a little easier for me. My temptation will be to really see you, be available for you, but to the degree that I might lose myself. Okay. So I also have to show up for me and go, okay, I've held the space, I've listened to you. Hey, by the way, I'm a real person, a real body, I matter, and um, I gotta show up in the world. Will you hold this? I'm gonna ask for what, but this is hard for a lot of men. Yeah. I'm gonna ask for what I need, and I actually now need to speak out what my desire is. Yeah. And, and so for instance, in the world right now, I may need to speak out, hey, by the way, there's an injustice and I need to speak to it. So it's a both and. We got to hold, be present for others, but don't also be afraid to ask people to be the same for you, for me, for wow. us. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, when I when I was at your um, your church, your last church that you pastored um, last year, June, uh, I was very very blessed to be at uh, at a service that you did, and and you you spoke about a lot of these things. And I actually, I, I took a snapshot of the, the diagram you had on the screen and I, and I went to make one for myself because I wanted to remember this. I'm going to quickly put it up here on the screen and uh, you'll remember this. This is the, this is the thing where we, where we get trapped in. The red is the, the negative side of things where you either the victim, the rescuer or the perpetrator and where we'd rather want to be is taking ownership, learning to negotiate and setting healthy boundaries. Um, this is just one of the things that I that I learned from you, and how important this is in in loving well, in communicating. So thanks for that. Yeah, I, this is <laughs> yeah. You're, well, it comes from a guy named Stephen Cartman, and uh, and it's called the drama triangle. That red triangle is called the drama triangle. Ah, that's okay. where the drama. That's where the drama is. Yeah, exactly. You know, if I can be the victim perpetrator, I'll rescue, and we all get in this unhealthy dance. We can live there for a lifetime. But I actually use that triangle with almost every client I work with because it's central to resolving conflict. As soon as we get, we go green, that's a phrase I use for a lot. Like, Hey, how about organic relationships? Yeah. Go green. Yeah. Just set some boundaries. You know, so take good. ownership. Hey, again, if we need nothing else, if, if, if somebody said, Hey, give me like a good practice, a spiritual practice for the next seven days, just wake up every morning and go, how can I take ownership today? Mm. Take responsibility for something in my life. Hey, I've been, I've been, I've been complaining about the government. I've been complaining about the weather. I've been complaining about my spouse, complaining about my kid. What can I take ownership for? You know what? I'm the one who raised the kid. I guess I should take some ownership, right? Um, yeah. So, right? Um, I've enabled my spouse at some level. We've all enabled our spouses at some level. Yeah. I mean, we've let a certain behavior go that wasn't helpful. So uh, take ownership. And it, you want to talk about a practice that will transform your life because guess what? You start to let go of resentment. Mm. You, you don't point the finger That's anymore. The you just go, uh, and, yeah. it's not, and it's not shame. It's not shame. Shame goes after identity because yeah. I'm already loved, right? I'm a child of God. I just get to go, ah, it's a behavior. That behavior is not really reflective of who I think I'm meant to be. I'm going to take ownership of that and change it. Sure. That's so good. Can you, can you please um, 
on on that drama triangle, uh, you had such a good example when I was there at the service about the TV remote, and <laughs> the because that is that is a really practical thing. And you know, we've got a passion for marriages, we've got a passion for families. I really believe a healthy nation is built on healthy families, and if if we just in our family units can can you know can do this that you're talking about it would be so amazing so can you quickly run through that example of you know how the yeah. drama triangle looks with the remote and then how the healthy triangle <laughs> looks when we go green i think people should hear that yeah yeah so the drama triangle is creating drama it's a false sense of intimacy so a lot of times you have intensity without intimacy mm. That's, by the way, when you can check in and go, intimacy is into me, see. I'm actually being vulnerable. Uh, my, my 14-year-old, a few nights ago, I put her to bed, and I looked into her, her eyes. She goes, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm looking at my daughter. <laughs> stop looking in, into my eyes. I'm like, I've been looking into your eyes for 14 years. Yeah, stop. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> Why is that weird? Stop that it, it was too weird. intimate. You know, wow. like she, for her, it was like, no, I, like, you know, she's finding her way. Like, wow. you know, so... In, because intimacy, it, it, it's looking into me. Intensity is it's a so false good. version. Yeah. Um, and, and so the drama triangle is, is all about intensity. So you go, so have you ever sat down and you look, where's that dang TV remote? And where's the remote? So if you're the victim, you're let, you show up like this. Hey, where's the TV remote? You know, somebody's always taking that TV remote away from me. Nobody ever, nobody ever puts it where they, where I tell them to put it. And it's, <laughs> it's almost like you guys have it in for me. I don't understand why the remote is always, you're just so total true. victim, right? So true. All right. Perpetrator is, where's the TV remote? All right. What? Beep, 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 beep in this house. Put the TV remote. Why did you put it where I told you to put it? You guys are a bunch of morons. Who, who, how hard is it? Put the TV remote <laughs> by the TV. This isn't hard. What are you, an idiot? That's perpetrator. Yeah, yeah. All right. Res rescuer is like, um, where's the TV remote? Oh, you know what? I'll go to the store and buy a new one. You know what, guys? It's probably it's my fault. I, I, I should have thought to have like two or three remotes just in case we would ever lose one. So I, I don't want you guys to feel any <laughs> tension here. And this feels kind of weird, I know, for everybody. And it's really, I can take the blame for this. And so I'll run to the store right now. I'll buy three, make sure we have a backup one. And we all, we, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I got to take away the tension. Yeah. And we yeah. And hate tension. Funny because yeah. we probably, right. Because we could probably find those in our family, right? We oh, can yeah. see the people because we all, we all <laughs> have kind of an emotional home. We have a, you know, a place we kind of, but but if you do one of those long enough, eventually you kind of like the victim will eventually move to rescuer or move to perpetrator. And no one's ever on the same one at the same time. Yeah. So you knock the other person off. And let me tell you, my wife would say, if she's here, she's, she's a, she's a fireball. And she, she would say, she's very rarely going to live on the victim long. Mm. <laughs> she goes, I'm going to move to, I'm going to perpetrate you <laughs> to not be on the victim. Um, Man, the, the fights you, know, you guys must have with the terminology you throw around must be very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's ridiculous sometimes. I mean, that's for sure. Yeah, it must be like, you're being a victim time. right now. Stop, stop being a perpetrator. <laughs> When we were in the throes of it, I literally, I had come back from a therapeutic thing and I, I literally, I put the triangles on the ground yeah. and I said, we're going to stand where we are right now because we're having so much trouble communicating. Yeah. 
<laughs> I love I love it that you're honest about that because it you know even if you know this it's still it's still tricky it's still difficult. It is. But but it okay. Is. So how does it look when it's when it's the healthy triangle? So healthy triangle would be like this. Um, uh, where's that TV remote? Uh, ownership would be like. Hold on a second. I think I had it last, and I think I failed to put it in the right place. So you know what? Go ahead. What you're doing? I'm gonna look for it. Okay, good. It's clean. I'm taking. I'm taking ownership. I'm the one. Yeah, yeah. Um, negotiate would be like, hey, where's the TV remote? Uh, I don't know where it is. Hey, tell you what, can we kind of negotiate a plan here? Mm. Um, how about when we're done with the remote, we put it right back by the TV? And 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 if you if it's parenting, and if you don't, by the way, just to help you with a little motivation, I'll take your cell phone away for the next three weeks. Okay, <laughs> okay, that would that I'm kidding. That, that that quickly moved to perpetrating. <laughs> um, yeah, that would have a meltdown. <laughs> you lose the privilege of your phone for a day. Is you know like so it help remind you. So yeah, yeah. well, Dad, I can't lose That's my good. phone for a day. I can't. Which by the way, by the way, if my daughter shows up, she might go. But I can't lose my phone for a day because if I did, I actually have this thing with dance. Okay, fair. Um, no social media for a day. We're negotiating. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, and, and boundaries might be, uh, okay, here's the deal. I've now talked about putting this remote back. Uh, this is the third time we've talked about it. So my new boundary is, kids, you're no longer allowed to use the remote. You're going to have to get up and touch the TV like I did in the 70s. <laughs> You are the remote. <laughs> you, that's right. You're the remote. I like that. That's yeah. not bad. That's really good. Here's your consequence. I'm going to make you. You get are the remote. So change the channel. Time. You change the channel. <laughs> In the 80s, we were the remote. Yeah. We were the remote yeah. for, our, for our parents, right? <laughs> move the dial. Here in South Africa, I only had one channel. So that was, you know. I wasn't really oh, okay, okay. that hard, but <laughs> so you, you told me that um, you moved from pastoring a church to doing transformational coaching because you you wanted less of running an organization and more of helping people, which which sounds really really great, especially for what you know your calling is. Um, what I'm hearing from you know, the testimonies on your website. By the way, guys, you can go to jamiegeorge.com and, and hear some of the amazing stories of how he's helped people, some of very well-known people. Um, you, what I'm hearing is that you actually help people to, to unlock their lives and the things that, you know, that they're stuck in because of resentment and all these things. Um, but, but obviously, you didn't just wake up one day and say, this is what I want to do. So um, mm. wh what kind of brought you to that point? And uh, you haven't been doing yeah. this for long. It's It's been like, what, half a year where you've been doing it i mean yeah. full time full time half yeah, a year. Yeah. yeah 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 so how's it going you know is it what you thought it would be and and yeah you know, what is what is what is transformational coaching maybe i should ask you that as well just to define that and then what it is that you do and how, how you help people yeah transformation is when you have a shift in worldview mm. so it's that simple so you you had this paradigm for living and suddenly you now see through it. You literally took a different set of lenses and went, wait a second. I thought the world was like this, but it might actually be like this. Wow. And it's, you know, it, it's the illustration of the caterpillar into the chrysalis into the butterfly. Mm. And hopefully, hopefully we have a number of those things that happen throughout a lifetime. 
I do think it's Jesus's languaging when he says to to Nicodemus, "You must be born again." Yeah, and it's in you know, and I, I again, you and I are referencing kind of our, our age, but in the seventies in the United States, "born again" was a big phrase for like becoming a Christian. Yeah, like there, you set, you kind of said a magic prayer, and then a thing happened, and you went from not um, not being known by God to now being part of a tribe. And, and I think in the 70s, there was a degree of that, that that was helpful, but there was also an element of it that wasn't helpful. And because it, there's a little bit of it that sounds transactional. Mm. And it's interesting when people came to Jesus, I'll give you three examples. Three different people come to Jesus and ask him basically, hey, how do I get into the kingdom of heaven? Well, first of all, he's going, the kingdom of heaven is actually in you and around you. You just don't have eyes to see. Yeah. So you need an awakening to love, right? Mm. So Nicodemus sneaks out in the middle of the night. He knows he's one of the smartest guys. He's like the Billy Graham of Jerusalem. He's incredibly wealthy, and he knows everything. He sneaks out in the middle of the night. Multiple different theologians think different reasons for that. But he comes to Jesus. He said, what do I need to do, essentially, to be saved from my own brokenness and my own sin? And Jesus says, well, you have to be born again. And he, see, he literally says, back into my mother's womb, he think it's, thinks it's literal. And yeah. Jesus, no, it's metaphorical. Everything you think you know, you don't know. You need a transformation. Sure. He shows up a woman at the well. She, he, she, he, she's like, he's like, what are you looking for? And he's like, you've been married five times. You're living with another man. She goes, wait, how do you know this about me? He goes, because you're so thirsty for approval. I'm here to give you living water. Mm. Totally different metaphor. Mm. R- rich young ruler shows up for Jesus with his posse. He's got all his rich friends around him. He walks up. Hey, I've been keeping a lot of the biggest commandments. Um, what a, Can I follow you? Jesus says, uh, for you. He doesn't say born again. Doesn't say living water. He goes, um... Sell everything you own and give it to the poor. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know that I could do that. Well, then I guess you don't want transformation. Your way of living is too important to you right now. Sure. So he speaks to every person you have an experience. Yeah, sure. Right, right. And, and I, so I think it, the transformation is this shift in worldview. And most of it, we, there's really generally only two pathway, pathways to get there. Enough suffering. Then we go, I, I can't live like this anymore. I've got to surrender yeah. and give my life over to something else. And that's where as followers of Jesus are going to give your life over to Christ. Or we've been loved so intensely. We, there's such an awakening to love. So it's either suffering or an intense awakening to love. Those are the places where we typically find transformation. And, and hopefully, for a lot of people, they find those in, in, in one place. Sometimes yeah. that happens at the same time. So... When I pl- we started our church in our home uh, 14 years ago, 15 years ago, uh, 14 people sitting in a living room. And I remember the church started to grow. And by the time we hit two, 300 people, I was like, how do we make sure nobody else comes? And, <laughs> and they were like, uh, that's kind of not like in a church. It's supposed to grow. And I'm like, I don't want it to go. Like, I want to be with these people. Yeah. And I can't, I can hardly hold on. But at that point, you know, I'm like, I can hardly take care of 300 people. And, and I, I, I realized that the part of me that I liked shepherding a small group of people Mm. and I love starting things in my favorite place. And I think in the kind of roles of the church, they use the term evangelist is I love to tell people who are stuck, broken, um, or, or kind of in that place of denial. I love meeting them in that friction Mm. and going, can I help you punch through this place where you're stuck, as opposed to somebody who's like, hey, you love Jesus, let's let's go through the next Bible study, let's work on some spiritual practices, let's develop this new thing. 
Um, my favorite place is to be with people when they're stuck and help them have the transformation. That's amazing. I think that's probably, yeah, I think so. It's, and so I just realized, and the truth is probably 10 years in, Heinz, I was like, uh, one Sunday I got up and I said, hey, does the church ever just wrap it up? Do you go, you had a good run? Like, we're done now. <laughs> <laughs> I said that on a Sunday. I didn't tell the rest of the staff. And the pe- pe- people were like, <laughs> you know, a couple you, of people were like, mean? Ooh, and I'm like, oh. Uh. <laughs> you know, but I realized I wanted I wanted to transition, but some of my own codependency, I, I, didn't, I didn't really know how to leave. Like, wait, they need me and I need them and... And so there, there were a number of things that were really bubbling up and pushing me toward this, but it was really a desire. I, I came, I'm 50 years old. I came, I want to do two things. I want to be with people in that stuck place in life and help coach them through transformation. And I want to tell stories that inspire people. And I, and I, and I'd like to tell stories to people who are not necessarily in the church because I love leaving breadcrumbs to the gospel. So that it's not a, hey, I'm right. You need to hear about God and follow me. I want to go, I actually think Jesus is so compelling. I don't have to, I don't have to sell him. Wow. And so, so I, I won't, yeah. And, and that's, and, and not everybody's that way. And that's okay. Because I think if you're a prophet, you're definitely not that way. <laughs> um, you know, you're, and you're not, and you're not supposed to be because yeah. prophets are supposed to come, you know, they're the first one through the door. That's why they're usually the one shot at. Like, you know, but because they're blowing stuff up, they're helping, they're agitating, they're see, they're letting people see things. Mine is kind of a, my wiring is more of a gentler, I want to, I want to um, tease it out of you a little bit. I want, I want to ask questions. Mm. That, and this probably is, ultimately, I'm, I was originally the son of a teacher, right? Yeah. So ultimately, I think probably that still is with me. I, I, I love asking questions that lead people to their own self-discovery. That's so okay. that was the. Yeah, and I'm and, it, and it's been super fun. I'm having a ball doing it. That's so cool. I love it. Uh, I see we've already gone over an hour, um, but I'm just having such a great time. I love the way you speak and the the terms you use. Uh, I think what stands out for me that you love meeting people and that friction. I'm like, I like that the friction of life. Uh, yeah. I, I want to pop this up here and I want to ask you as a as a maybe a last question. What is the human experience all about? So this, um, the premiere was supposed to happen in March. And of course, with everything happening in the world, it was postponed. And so we just found out literally yesterday, we found out yesterday, we just sent an email out to everybody that uh, the premiere will now happen on June 22nd. We actually are going to two nights because we're doing like empty chairs between uh, our ticket holders. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah. so the premiere for the show is now two nights, June 22nd and 23rd here All in right. Nashville. All right. And uh, it, it, for those those who are familiar with kind of Broadway in New York, it's meant to be kind of an off Broadway. It's a smaller theater. It's it's not under a, the religious umbrella at all. It's it's meant to be entertainment. Of course, again, in my way, I <laughs> uh, I don't know how to not represent Christ and talk about God. So um, I'll give you an idea of what it would be like. So you, when you walk in, again, small theater, one spotlight on the stage. I just walk out with a microphone. And the very first thing you'll hear, lights come up, and you just hear, in 1978, in a small town in Maine, a Cub Scout unzipped his tent and stepped into the cool morning air. And so I just start into a story. Mm. It's just a story. Mm. And and I tell this story, and it's a story of tragedy to triumph, and it's a powerful story. And um, at the end of the story, I go, by the way, this is a true story. Mm. And... Rufus happens to be 
with us tonight in the audience. Would you please wow, welcome him to the stage? That's so cool. So, uh, <laughs> so I bring. Uh, so I, I bring. So I want to tell the I stories of people. Yeah. I want to tell the stories of the everyman, kind of the stories that you might otherwise never hear. And then, of course, we're in Nashville, right? So we'll do we'll do the the monologue in the beginning yeah. and an interview, and then um, I bring up a band. So we Got have it. some of the greatest musicians in the world, so good. but you haven't heard of them. Yeah. So I want to, yeah, what kind of be a place maybe where we break the band and, you know, so we, we share new music and then I'll close with kind of a closing kind of challenge and kind of wrap up and, um, yeah. And there's a, there's kind of a fun cocktail lounge in the place afterwards. And so it's, yeah, it's just meant That's to be so cool. kind of a, a night out. You can dress up. And so if you, if you visit Nashville, come see us as it'll be once a month here in Nashville. That, oh, once a month. That's brilliant. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Wh- when people have been to the human experience and they walk out that night, what, what is what, what would you love to hear them say about what they experienced? Um, it, it made me laugh and it made me cry. Cool. People are people are most real when they laugh and when they cry. That's true. That's when they're most present to themselves. So we're kind of right back to kind of my central hope for all of life. It's for me and it's for others that I could lead them to a place where they're just present to the moment. I think there's just this significance to life is but a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes away. And we spend so much time distracted. Mm. And I, the, I just I I think that we all have a God-given design. We're each an endangered species. And I want to help release people to their God-given design. So if they walk out and go, I laughed, I cried, and I'm inspired to be who God meant me to be. Mm. My happy place. There you go. I love it. That's so good. Bro, uh, I think we have to end this, but I'm going to have to get you back sometime (laughs) because there's so much more to explore uh, on these subjects. Uh, So as as we end off, I I would love to ask you if you can pray for those listening and watching, uh, maybe specifically for marriages and and families, people that I know that you have a, a big focus on helping people that are highly successful that have uh, high stress jobs, busy jobs that, that do struggle with their families because they have this calling, but they also want to, uh, maybe for that, um, just for those listening, as, as you feel led, just pray for them. And then I'll end off with, uh, with a prayer for you as well. And then we can uh, say goodbye. All right. Sounds good. So, Father, what a gift to be with my brother, Heights and to be with these who have joined us. Somehow, um, Jesus, you've taught us that there's this oneness. Somehow we are in this kingdom flow with you. Mm. It's this beautiful mystery that we don't understand, but it's true. And, and when we slow down long enough, we can sense it. We, there's a deep knowing And so, God, as I prayed before I got on here this afternoon, my hope is that um, Heinz and I have just put you on display Mm. that you would receive glory from our conversations, that, that we recognize we're participants in your story. We, we get to be here for just a short time. And God, would you lead us into how we can contribute? And God, I pray that for those listening who who are in a place of where the marriage is struggling or they're having difficulty with a 
relationship with the child, or there's just that stuck resentment from from a parent who hurt them. Um, I I pray for release. Yeah, amen. Relinquishment. Mm. God, that there would be a letting go. Mm. As my friend said to me the other day, just he just he just got into his closet and said to his spoke out loud. God, I've held resentment toward my in-laws for so long. I'm just, I'm no longer holding on. God, whatever, wherever it is stuck with us, would we offer forgiveness? And remember that the forgiveness is so much more about us. It's our state of being. It's how we show up in the world. And that there's a freedom that is found in letting go and trusting you. God, would we recognize that we do have value and we are meant to show up for ourselves? Maybe that's a good starting place just to um, release resentment, but then also to look for places where we can take responsibility and we can ask for what we need. Mm. Thank you that we each have dignity. Would we remember that, especially right now with what's going on in our countries? That there is, you, before we were broken on the planet, you created us. That yeah. we are image bearers of you. There is a, mm. an original blessing before there was a curse. Yeah. That there, that God, there's this beauty to who we are. That humanity is not bad. Mm. It's beautiful. You created us. But, but, but there is this evil intent that exists that's trying to crush our souls. It crouches at the door and... So, God, would you just find us in this place today, uh, willing participants, taking responsibility, eyes wide open, awakening to truth, and would you give us a boldness and a courage to go and participate in this story for your glory? Mm, Amen. Yes, thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for this time in your presence. I thank you for a technology that can make this happen, and I, I thank you for Jamie his his life, his story, his his message, his calling on his life. I thank you for his marriage, his, for Angie, for the his four amazing kids. Mm-hmm. Lord, I just want to pray your uh, ongoing protection and leading over him as a as a husband, as a father, as a as a as a coach, helping so many people to to break through the noise. And and I just pray a blessing over this ministry that he has. And that he will find favor, open doors, opportunities that he could never have even have imagined. And that more people will be helped because your spirit is involved. You're, uh, you're helping. You are co-laboring with them in, in changing people's lives. I thank you, Lord, that every life that he gets to influence will be, will be deeply touched by you and, and changed and transformed. And, and yeah, Lord, may Romans 12... Be be true uh, for every life that that he gets to to be involved with. That they won't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of their mind. And and I, that's my prayer for all of us, Lord, that we will truly live as living sacrifices for you, and not be conformed to the way the world thinks, but the way that you have created us to think. I pray that for each and every one of us, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Jamie, wow, thank you for your time. It was so amazing and inspiring and insightful. And I just want to thank you and honor you for for who you are and and your your vulnerability, your wisdom. Uh, I thank you so much. And may God bless you and your family and your calling. And may in every area just go from strength to strength and glory to glory. And I hope to see you in South Africa very soon. (laughs) 
<laughs> Man, I, there was, there's nothing I would enjoy more. That's for sure. What a, a awesome. pleasure to be with you. Thank you for your friendship, my friend, and blessings on you and all those listening. Thank you for the invitation. Right. Thank you so much. Uh, I'll, I'll chat you just now on Skype again. I'm just going to tell them about what happening this week. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you. Uh, if you're watching this maybe later, I hope you enjoyed it. Please share it with your family and friends. I really think these sessions and conversations were so good and uplifting and helpful. And uh, yeah, go and follow Jamie on social media. Check out his website. If you're in the States, you can maybe even get around to getting him to coach you. Uh, it'll be And go check out the human experience if you're in Nashville this month. So thank you so much to him. Please join us tomorrow at 1. I'm going to be talking to Anthony Liebenberg. Uh, he's a pastor at a church in Cape Town and uh, runs Life Child, an amazing organization that looks after orphaned and vulnerable children. On Thursday, I'm chatting to Uncle Angus Bucken uh, at 11 in the morning. And on Friday, I'm chatting to Dr. Alan Bagg from the Bay Christian Family Church. So come and check it out. Come and join us. And please help us to get the word out and spread this, uh, these conversations to as many people as possible. God bless you. Have a great evening. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Bye-bye.